Welcome to People from the Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome, everyone, to People from the Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce Butler, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. So on today's show, my guest is Nastasia Merlino. She is currently pursuing a Master of Law at NYU School of Law, where she serves as a graduate editor for the NYU Journal of Law and Business and as a graduate research fellow at the NYU Pollock Center for Law and Business. She graduated NYU with her master's in music business in the spring of 2023, and after graduating with her first degree in law from the University of Geneva in Switzerland. Nastasia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Always good to talk to our more recent graduates. Uh, I graduated also from the master's program, but it was a few years before you. I'm not going to give the exact date. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, thank you for coming on. Um, So let's start with where I always start with my guests. Tell me about your journey to the NYU music business program. Where'd you come from and how did you get there? Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually Swiss and Italian, and I was born and raised in Geneva in Switzerland. So for those who don't know, Switzerland is a small country in Europe between mm-hmm. France, Italy and Germany. Um, and I always wanted to work in the music industry um, and specifically come to New York at NYU. Um, but my journey there was a bit complicated. I think my parents wanted a bit more of a traditional path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was always into into music business and I wanted to also study sociology when I was younger. And I played, you know, piano and guitar when I was younger and I would sing as well. Um, I also did acting and dancing and I would write my own songs. And my oldest cousin who used to live in London was a music producer and a sound and mix engineer. And this one summer before senior year of high school, I got to shadow him for a month in his London studio and see how he interacted with clients. And he also taught me how to produce music for a bit. So that was also really exciting. Um, But, you know, like I said, I think my parents wanted me to follow a more traditional path. So I went on to law school um, right after high school. So in Switzerland, and I think in most European countries, you can go straight into law school after high school. You don't have to do four years Mm -hmm. of undergrad. So I went into my bachelor's degree of law, and I had had some knowledge of law prior because in in high school, you choose a sort of track. Um, You can choose, for example, law and econ, econ, economics, um, physics and math or chemistry and biology. Um, And I was on the law and econ track. So I still had some familiarity already um, with law. And the first year, I must admit, was a bit difficult because Mm. I I really lacked the creative aspect. Um, You know, for various reasons, I, I didn't end up pursuing music business at the time, but I very much still wanted to have that creative aspect in my life. Um, And so during my second year of law school, I decided to go to night class, uh, to night school, sorry, to take classes in fashion design and pattern construction. Mm, So it was very different. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to figure things out. You know, at that age, you're still 
trying to figure out what you want to do with your life and what your interests are. And when I was younger, I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I thought, let me let me give it a try and, and see if it sticks. Um, and it was a really fun experience. It was great. I learned a lot. And I ended up doing my final um, collection and my final presentation on the impact of rap and hip hop on the fashion industry. So it was a really oh, great wow. way for me to... Yeah, it, it was really nice to have the opportunity to combine my interests. Um, and it really brought back the creativity back into my legal study, studies, which were a bit, you know, um, I guess a bit dry, for lack of a better term. Um, mm -hmm. Especially the first year of law school, you take very, everyone takes the same classes. And so mm -hmm. you're taking like criminal law, constitutional law, admin law, and it's not necessarily the most exciting if you're not interested in those fields. Um, but the second year, you get to choose your options. And I was able to take intellectual property law. And so that's really where I found, um, you know, my happy place, I guess. Um, it was really exciting for me because it was a way for me to like project myself in a career that touched on intellectual property law and, and find a way to bring in the music aspect into it um, and combine all my interests. And surely enough, in my third year of law school, I ended up um, applying for the Masters of Music Business at NYU. And I got into the program. I was supposed to go there after my bachelor's degree. So the bachelor's degree of law in Switzerland is only three years as opposed to four years undergrad oh, wow. in the US. Yeah, so after my third year, I was supposed to go move to New York. Um, but of course, the pandemic happened. Um, and so I had to defer one year. Um, you know, at the time, obviously, no one was having class in person. And it, it was a big investment um, to move to the US and, and go to a big school like NYU. And so I really wanted to be able to make the most of it. And so deferring just made the most sense. Um, there was also, you know, visa complications because people couldn't travel. I had to be on an international student visa. So that got a bit complicated too. So I just deferred of one year. It was a bit heartbreaking for me because I had mm. waited for a long time to to get to that point of finally studying music. Um, I, I kind of felt like I'd paid my dues and, and studying <laughs> law with regard to my parents. And so I was really excited to get into the music business uh, side of things. But during the... Um, year that I deferred, I stayed in Switzerland and I um, ended up doing a master's in economic law and a certificate in transnational law. And so during those degrees, you're able to, you're way more flexible and you're really able to choose every single class that you want. So I focused on a more um, business oriented side of things. Um, and I took a lot of intellectual property law classes on top as well. So international IP law, internet and IT law as well, contracts. And then I thought of on the business side, what could help me become essentially the entertainment lawyer I wanted to be. And so I started taking a lot of corporate law classes and even capital markets law and any any business oriented class that I felt could be of use to me in a career in, in music and in entertainment. Um, and eventually I got to New York in the fall of 2021 and I started the mm. master's. Wow. What a, it's an interesting journey. Um, so first question, when you were studying at Geneva, obviously mm -hmm. there are some core things about IP, um, trademark and copyright that are 
I don't want to use the word universal, but that are consistent, right? But mm-hmm. being in Switzerland, obviously, maybe there are different things that are different from the states. How did you reflect that whenever you were interviewed for the for the music business program and talk about how you would make kind of, I don't want to, maybe not to, the transition, but expand your knowledge base to apply that as you pursued the degree in law here in the States, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, how did you, how was that transition for you fo- focusing on things in Switzerland versus when it was about the program? Okay, now I'm going to make the move to the States and study music business over there. Because there are some differences, I'm sure, with how the laws are being applied. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, in my bachelor's degree, I studied intellectual property and unfair competition specifically under Swiss law. So Mm -hmm. obviously we didn't really touch on U.S. law. Um, Now, you know, different jurisdictions and different legal systems have different senses of justice. But overall, we still have all a similar general sense of of what's right, what's wrong, what should be compensated, what shouldn't. and so there were definitely differences, but um, I got to take a law in the music industry class at NYU, and that really taught me about U.S. Uh, law specifically. Um, but also during my master's, I did international intellectual property law, um, and that was about how, you know, for example, if you have a trademark, how do you register that trademark all over the world? And it has a lot to do as well with the World Intellectual Property Organization. They have systems that facilitate those types of a worldwide registration of trademarks and of copyrights. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I think when it comes to law school, of course, I studied mostly Swiss law, um, but I think law school is also about a methodology um, and it teaches you a way of learning, a way of studying, and it teaches you discipline. And that's definitely very transferable to to any other country, right? I think once you've understood how to study and apply law, you, you can do it with any you know, to a certain extent with any jurisdiction. Um, so, and then, yeah, my classes at, in the music business program, that law in the music industry class really completed my my IP knowledge. Yeah, that's great. So before we get to those classes, want to dig in a little bit more just on, on that transition. So obviously, University of Geneva, um, a world-renowned school, like people, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a great accomplishment. So congrats for that. Um, but did you find how hard was the transition for you um, looking at Swiss law versus versus U.S. law when it came to entertainment? Or did you find that there were more similarities uh, with how the law was working over there versus over here than you anticipated? I think they, there were a lot of similarities. Um, I had also done um, in my certificate in transnational law, I took a contracts class, uh, which was a comparative methodology contracts class. So we would look at contracts law in different countries mm-hmm. and we had looked at US contracts law as well. So I was already familiar with concepts like consideration uh, that are specific to the US system. Um, mm-hmm. But when it came to IP law, it, you know, it, there's different um, legislations, obviously that, that govern intellectual property law, but ultimately the core um, aspects are still very similar. You know, the core ideas um, about intellectual property rights are still very similar between the U.S. and Switzerland. Mm. And when you studied this, when you studied this at Geneva, talk a little bit about were there a lot of similarities between the Switzerland and the other countries in Europe and how they administer IP law? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, 
the, uh, for IP law specifically, I focus more on Swiss law. I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. take a look at other countries, but I think um, the biggest difference between the US and the EU uh, relates to neighboring rights. Um, from my understanding, I think the US still recognizes neighboring rights, but not as extensively as European countries. Um, so this is, for example, one of the differences that I've noted with European law um, or European countries and their laws and, and the US. But then with regard to laws from other countries in Europe, I, if, with IP specifically, with regards to IP, I didn't really study um, other jurisdictions. Okay. No, that's great. Yeah, thank you for that. And then yeah. just, just something I always find interesting, you are not the first person to talk about the family dynamic of wanting to pursue yeah. <laughs> this, this career in entertainment, which can be very rewarding and lucrative, but also can be a little volatile. So <laughs> whenever you did go and start studying law, was it not a natural kind of thought process for your parents to think, oh, maybe she can be an attorney in, in the music business that's still creative, but more stable? Or was it, no, this music business thing, I, we really don't know about any of this. You need to just go do traditional law for a company or for real estate or something like that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they thought it was a phase um, <laughs> and that, you know, the music bug wouldn't last. Um, they definitely favored more um, business oriented uh, careers like business law oriented careers, which I think also obviously influenced the classes that I took uh, beyond my own interest. All, obviously, your family's going to influence a bit what you what you choose. But I think as well, obviously, um, you know, I grew up in Switzerland. And Switzerland does have a music industry. Geneva does have a music industry and we have a lot of talented artists, but it's mm -hmm. a bit harder to project yourself in a music career uh, mm -hmm. than if you grew up maybe in London or in New York or in LA or in like big, big cities where there's a lot of opportunities in music. I think for them, they couldn't really see how I could have a career in the music industry in Switzerland or, or a career that would reach a certain level right um and so for them for that reason they really pushed me to business law and also switzerland is specifically known for you know banking and finance yeah. um it's you know it's a it's one of our big industries and so obviously they wanted to push me a bit more into that as well so that i would have more job opportunities once i graduated which is fair enough but you know i had other plans <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so uh, something that you mentioned really quick, again, before we get to the class part of it, was hip hop's influence on on fashion. Why did you pick that topic when you were when you were studying fashion? And yeah, what made you want to get into that? Where did the hip hop fandom come from? Is, is hip hop big in Switzerland? Yeah, I would say hip hop is big in Switzerland, um, especially these past few years. Hip hop has really exploded all over the world. But um hip-hop and rap was my intro to music i grew up with two older brothers and they would listen to like 50 cents eminem kanye west on the way to school right. and so that really influenced my taste in music um and then when it comes to fashion fashion is a huge part of hip-hop culture and it's often mm -hmm. it's often overlooked how strong of, of an impact hip-hop culture has on the fashion industry i think especially at that time we were in like 2019, 2020, streetwear was on the rise. Um, and so I think it was really important to, to address that and to recognize that 
um, the music industry and hip hop and rap in particular had a huge impact on on fashion and on streetwear. Nastasia, I have to ask, as being a hip hop head myself, who who is the hip hop artist out of Switzerland that I need to be listening to? We'll put you on the spot. Ooh. Who is that? For? There's a Tell lot of people who they need to be listening to from Switzerland. <laughs> I'm a bit biased because I'm going to push um, Geneva artists, but um, Slimka is very well known. Uh, Dime as well. Uh, Varnish La Piscine, Makala. They're, they also work together and collaborate together. Um, and they're all very talented artists. And I'm sure there's even more artists that um, have come out since I moved um, to New York. But we really have a very a great, you know, local rap community. Listen, send send that podcast. I, I have a feeling that you are connected to those artists. Send this podcast to them. Tell them we gave them a shout out and you'll have to send me the list so I can listen Definitely. to those artists. Because I love listening to newer newer acts or acts that I haven't um, heard yet or listened to. So I appreciate that. Um, Definitely. All right. So back to the program. So you get accepted. You're going through the program. Um, this is your first time in New York, correct? When you come? Uh, no. So my my love for New York started at a really young age because I would um, come every summer to do summer camps. Um, so I would go to a summer camp called Camp Lohican in Pennsylvania. And it was my absolute favorite. Um, you know, it was traditional summer camp. You would do like lake activities and like arts and crafts and you know, all sorts of activities. And, and it's also kind of how I learned English by going to those summer camps. And every time I would go there, we would go through New York. And so that's where my love of New York really started. And of course, rap and hip hop started in New York. So all of these elements combined made it that I was really, you know, it was really my goal to, to end up in New York and specifically at NYU to, to study here. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Okay, so now you're you're back in the city that you love. Um, exciting. You're going through the program. Um, what was your favorite class from the program and why? So there's a lot of really, really good classes in the program, which makes this question a bit difficult. But I think... <laughs> That's why <laughs> we're here was... when people from the program to ask you the difficult questions. Right, definitely. Um, but I would have to say for me personally, music publishing with Professor Susan Dotis. Um, we did have a law in the music industry class, which I absolutely loved, uh, where we like went over contracts and, and touched on US law and US copyright law as well. Um, but I choose music publishing because it's a world that I was very unfamiliar with. And I just didn't realize how complex um, music publishing and royalties and this entire world was. And so it really exposed me to, to so much knowledge. Um, you know, it's just so complex. And it's so important because specifically with regards to royalties and publishing, this is how artists get paid. So it's important to understand how it works, where the money comes from, what the different types of royalties are, how things are negotiated. Uh, we also address different publishing contracts, like co-publishing agreements and administrative um, management agreements. And, and so that was really all very new to me. This is mm. something that I wasn't exposed to back in Switzerland, whereas law in the music industry, I had some sense already of contract law. Um, and Professor Susan Dotis is just so knowledgeable. Um, she's worked in the publishing industry for, for a while now, and, and she also was a great support she she would always have office hours where we could come and ask her questions and ask her about career advice as well 
And and so for those reasons, I would definitely have to say music publishing. Yeah, I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of the business, the backbone of the business. So mm-hmm. studying that and learning that I'm sure had to be very exciting. You can really get in and almost nerd out on all of that stuff and kind of put it together with the law stuff that you're studying. And I'm sure that was that was a great experience. Was there like a major project you had to do or a major research paper you had to do in that class? We did. Our midterm project was about the Music Modernization Act, uh, which I believe was passed into law in 2020 or 2021. I should know this. I'm a law student. but um, And so that was really interesting. We got to really, um, you know, look deep into it and, and how it improved um, legal considerations for artists. Um, and and the different changes it made in the industry you know so that and that was it was it really prepared us i feel like for the industry for career in the industry because it kept us up to date with legislative changes but we also had to um you know criticize a bit is it efficient is it providing new legislation that is helping is it enough is it not enough do we need more and so that whole process was really interesting Wow. Yeah, that's so that kind of leads me to a little bit of of a curveball. Do you. So that was your kind of favorite class. Was Mm -hmm. that also the class that challenged you the most? Or was there another class in the program that you were like, man, this is really kind of stretching me in a way that I hadn't been stretched or thought of before. Was there anything like that? What was the class that really challenged you? And maybe that was the publishing class. Maybe they're one and the same. Yeah, so the the music business program is taught with NYU Steinert and NYU Stern, and you get to take elective classes at Stern. And because I had a background in business law, I also was really interested in developing my finance skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took a lot of finance classes at NYU. Um, I took corporate finance, valuation, private equity finance. Um, And so I ended up in these huge classes with all of these MBA students who were super knowledgeable and it was very intimidating at first. Um, You know, we were working on developing financial models and discounted cash flow models and leveraged buyout models. And although I had a background in, in financial law, I wasn't familiar with the math and the finance. And so that was very challenging for me, I'll be honest. Um, but NYU has so many resources and yeah. they had this um, student group that was that's called Smart Women Securities. And it was a group specifically for women in finance. And so I joined that group and got really involved with them. And they had an investment fund, um, which I got involved in. And I also became like an investment fund analyst and an equity research analyst with them. And they really taught me step by step how to work those financial models all the reasoning and the math behind, you know, financial analysis and valuation of companies. And that really helped me take it step by step because the class itself was quite overwhelming. Um, and it was a great environment to be in, like with, you know, surrounded with women who want to learn about finance. That was really exciting. Wow. That sounds amazing. Do you, I guess I missed this. Do you have a, a really strong math background, Anastasia? Like, were you the advanced calculus person, <laughs> that type of thing when you were in high school? I did. I have a bit of a hate-love relationship with math, which I think most people have. Um, you know, I was sort of good at it, not necessarily the best, but pretty good. And it gets exciting when you do it right and you get it. Um, but yeah, I did. 
I was in math higher level, but eventually I dropped it just because I didn't necessarily want to pursue a career relating to mathematics. So I, it didn't seem that useful for me to, to stay in math higher. Um, but yeah, I, to a certain extent, yeah, I think also if you're doing business law, you kind of have to be good with numbers, right? And my aspiration was really to work with artists, represent artists, protect artists, defend them. And, and so that means understanding the money and understanding the numbers and understanding how things work. And, and you have to understand it so that you're not taken advantage of, right? So yeah. it, it's not necessarily my favorite, but I feel like it's, it's part of the job that I'm trying to do. And so it's a skill that I have to develop, you know? Yeah, it just makes me ask because the way you, and I don't know, it's interesting to me, just the way you casually say, like, yeah, here's here was the challenge. I dove in head first to all of these financial classes in Stern. Yeah, doing this group, we were doing all this modeling. And I'm like, people need to understand, and I know you do, while these disciplines have some similarities, these law and this type of business that you're pursuing, these are very different disciplines <laughs> that a lot of yeah. people just don't, casually like say, oh i'm going to pursue after that and learn that so mm -hmm. i mean where do you think for you that that kind of drive comes from do you are you one of these people that can naturally pick a lot of these things up and that's your brilliant shines there like like how does that work i mean in general i'm someone who just loves learning um and there's so much knowledge out there i'm, I'm always one to make the most of every opportunity like even in law school i wasn't thrilled by the idea at first but i still gave it my all and and with nyu you know, it, it's also an investment. It was a big deal for me to move to a different country to to pursue my studies. And, and so I was really there to make the most of it and learn as much as I could and, and expose myself to as many things as I could, even if it meant uh, struggling a little bit with finance. I, I didn't, it didn't even really matter that I struggled, to be honest, because I was just excited to be there, excited to, to have the opportunity to take the class and to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. I was very impressive, Nastasia. I mean, I just want the listener to to appreciate the fact that these things are not just the same. Like, oh yeah, go here, go here. Many people spend their whole lives in one of these lanes and don't really go mm. the other. So that's really great that you got that experience um, mm -hmm. and you were able to do that and build off of that. Plus, you know, kind of a callback to earlier in our conversation. I'm sure when you're calling home and talking to your parents, like, yeah, I was doing this financial modeling, they're in their back thinking, oh, yes, this is what we want to hear right here. So, <laughs> yeah, you actually hit a great point. That's, you know, that's exactly it. Um, the It was a bit of a hard sell, the music business program to my parents. Um, I think that year that I deferred and during which I did my master's of law kind of eased them as well because it was like, all right, I did a bachelor's of law, master's of law. You know, I really did everything I could law-wise, um, let me have this. But also, it was also, yeah, a way to, to tell them, look, like, this program is also in part with Stern, and I get to take all these business classes and finance classes, and, and it makes it easier to sell in a way to, to parents who are quite traditional, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, listen, if I'm impressed hearing how you were able to dive into these these different courses, I'm, I'm sure they were like, oh, yes, this is exactly <laughs> yeah. what we want to hear. She's doing the music, and she's also layering it with all of these business classes. This is amazing. So, okay. So you're going through, you're going through, you're taking all of these classes. And when you finish, if you had to pick one main takeaway you got from the program, what would you say it would be? Hmm. I would say just expose yourself to as many experiences as you can. 
the music business program is so great. You're exposed to so, so many different classes. Um, you know, I got to take marketing classes, which I didn't have the opportunity to do in law school, obviously. Um, I got to take classes in concert management, uh, promotions and publicity. And it was great because they really put you to work in the outside world in the sense of your assignments aren't just about research and writing. It's about, uh, for example, in concert management, we had to organize a concert as part of the end of year exam. And so it really pushes you to be involved in your local community and organize things and organize events. And it, it feels good because it makes you realize you can do this. Like you, you know, I put together a concert and now it's like, wow, I have this ability to, to do that. And so I would just say, yeah, make the most of it. Talk to as many people as you can. There's also a lot of international students in the program. And so it's very interesting to learn about how music is consumed in different countries and different regions across the world um, and what the music trends are. Um, and, you know, like I said, there's a lot of um, extracurriculars as well of clubs uh, that can fit any and all interests you have. So really make the most of the resources that NYU has to offer. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. Was this your first time? Or, so this is your first time organizing a show and putting it together? Yeah, it was my very first time. And it was really exciting. You know, the whole process, finding an artist, finding a venue, doing the marketing, the ticketing. It was really cool. Yeah. How And, and how did you find that? Obviously, you're really working on these, like, I guess we could say the more technical side of the business with business modeling and publishing and all that. And yes, there is a technical side to organizing shows and all that, but how did you find that um, in, in going to that part of it? And, and what was that like for you? Yeah, so I mean, the, the math aspect also helps with uh, projecting ticket sales and, and understanding right. how you pay people, right? So for us, it was important. We really wanted to, to pay the artists, um, but that's, you also have to pay the venue, like the venue takes a, a cut on the ticket sales. And so you have to understand the numbers to understand how much do I need to sell to be able to pay the artist? How much right. do I need to sell to break even to make a profit and, and all those things uh, come into place. And, and that's something I really loved about the program at NYU is that whatever skill I was learning, whether it was law and music, you know, financial classes, uh, marketing, I directly saw the application of that knowledge in in real world through my internships and i really saw how all these skills come together um through through different internships and companies i was at and that was really exciting to really see a direct application from what you learn in class to to having it applied in practice yeah absolutely okay so during the program let's talk let's talk internships um interested in, in in terms of the idea of you know applying things getting real world experience what were the internships that you did and kind of walk me through those experiences yeah so my very first internship was for an independent artist his name is marlon craft shout he's out very, to marlon craft i know Marlon. Yeah, music. he's very talented great music you should definitely listen to him um if you don't already um and he's you know he's from new york he's from hell's kitchen and my title was assistant to director of operations and how did I that think, come about? How did that come about? Did it come through the NYU listserv where he was looking? Yes. Did you know someone? It came through NYU. So I believe he sent out, uh, you know, a call for applications through NYU and, and they shared it with the program. And so I applied through the program. Um, and that was to me that the best entry into the music industry, the best first internships you, you could have in the music industry, because it really allowed me to see 
the creation process, right? The creative process of, of what it's like for an artist to have an idea to put pen to paper and then to realize that idea, not only making songs, but making the music videos and making the entire artistic world that surrounds a specific album or a specific project. And, and it was just so great to, to see really talented and creative people come together to bring all these ideas to life. Wow, that's great. And then, so where else did you, where else did you intern? Like kind of walk me through some of the other things that you've done. Yeah, so then I um, interned at Reservoir Media Management. So that's an independent music publisher. Um, and I was a royalties intern there. And so, you know, going back to my music publishing class, that class definitely influenced my, my, my decision to intern in more business related fields and more, you know, royalty related fields. Um, and that was great as well. I learned to, you know, process incoming royalties. Um, I helped with maintaining physical and digital statements, um, but it also made me understand um, how complex the royalties world is, but also in the sense of, for example, one of my tasks was to match unmatched songs. So usually I, people, mm -hmm. will, people will use a software that automatically matches you know, the name of the artist and the song title to the royalties are owed. But sometimes there's technical problems and the songs aren't matched very well. And so you have to go back and manually match them. Um, but for the songs who remain unmatched, that is money that is lost, right? That is money that artists right. mm -hmm. don't receive. And so it was really interesting to to understand that and see how how meticulous you have to be to make sure essentially that your artists don't lose out on money that they're owed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then being kind of in that experience, you get to learn how to how to really look at that stuff from a ground level. It's super important. I, I worked in copyright administration at BMG and it helped give me, you know, a nice basic level of publishing and how things are are accounted for and splits and all that. So so that's good stuff. And then mm -hmm. what was it like? What made you then go to to Sony? You interned there as well, correct? Yes. So then I joined Sony Music and I joined Columbia Records and Epic Records as an international marketing intern. And so that was a very different experience because previously most of my work experience had been either law related or business or finance related. And so I just really saw it as a great opportunity for me to to just try something different. I had taken uh, promotions and publicity with Professor Kathy Andoli at NYU. Um, I also did strategic marketing with Professor Russ Krupnik at NYU. And so I think that was really a great opportunity for me to, to put to practice what I had learned. Um, and I absolutely loved it. We got to work on different projects. We were sp focused specifically at that time on Miley Cyrus's Endless Summer Vacation. Um, but also in general with all of the artists, singles as well and ongoing projects. And so I would... For example, I would track um, songs and albums and airplay charts worldwide um, and certifications as well, just to keep track of how well um, our artists' songs and albums were doing. Um, but I would also help with international pre-order retailers and pre-saves tracking. Um, and so you get to communicate with all of the offices worldwide. And I think that's what great with what's great with an experience at a major label like Sony is that they have offices all over the world right. and they have such a global scale, which is really impressive. And so you get to communicate with people from all over the world, which is really exciting. Um, and that was just a, a great experience, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. After doing it, did it further solidify your perspective that, hey, law is where I need to be. I like marketing. It's great, but I'm more on the law side. Or, or, or were you like, hey, I can see myself one day pursuing things more in marketing? Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like law is also one of those things where like, if you've put the time in it, you're going to finish it, right? Like it's long studies, it's difficult. So I definitely intend on, on passing the bar and, and pursuing that. But um, with marketing, it was super fun. It was super creative and I loved it. But I think it also made me understand the business better from, from a business point of view of understanding how to ultimately promote um, and, and market your you know, for lack of a better word, your product, um, how do you market music and how do you, do you cut through the noise? And I think combining those experiences of going from interning with an independent artist to then a major and seeing how it works because the independent artist also has to cut through the noise and, and make sure that their music gets heard through everyone and that falls on marketing a lot as well. Um, and so for me, I didn't necessarily see it as one or the other i saw it more as it combining and completing my just my music industry education to be honest right absolutely that's great and then you also interned at universal talk about that experience please yes so i was at universal music publishing group um last summer in 2023 and i was a global finance intern and that was really exciting a lot of my favorite artists um of where or still are with Universal Music Group. So it was really cool. Um, and there I really got to clearly use my new skills that I had learned at NYU Stern. Um, so as part of the program, we all have to do accounting and reporting and leadership. Um, and so I used accounting skills as we were reviewing accounting and budgeting across worldwide offices. And also from the point of view of the internal functioning of a company, you know, like I said, the majors are so big and global. And it's also interesting to see how the money moves around between different offices, right? And, and how that aspect internally works as well. Um, but then I also got to work on financial valuation for new songwriters and catalog acquisitions. Um, and that was a great experience to to understand how they make those decisions of signing new artists, how they make those decisions of who do we invest in, um, you know, what financial models they use for that as well. Um, and I also got to do a lot of industry and market research and deal analysis uh, on their artists, uh, for example, seeing, you know, who's driving the most revenue, what type of revenue is driving, what, for example, uh, with, with vinyl, vinyl records, sorry, um, sales have been going up because mm -hmm. people are starting, started collecting them. So these types of trends as well. Um, how do we analyze that? And, and that was just a great experience. In your, in your opinion, Nastasia, what is, how can I, how can I frame this? What is more important when it comes to the modeling piece, putting together a model that is identifying the, the trends that people need to invest in from a music standpoint, or is it better to try to put something together that is more predictive that says this is where we need to be going in order to stay ahead of the competition if you had to weigh one or the other maybe maybe it doesn't work like that you are obviously more of an expert on this than i am but i'm just curious how do you view that well it's tricky because you have to take both into account right and obviously i know that's not the the answer you want but um well, no, it's fine. past like past income 
and past numbers in terms of streamings and artists that are similar, um, that, you know, that have maybe a similar sound or a similar audience, you need to base yourself on those numbers because that's your track record. And that's what makes your projections more or less predictable. When you take it, when you try to make assumption based on, is that trend going to drive up, for example, revenue for vinyl records? They're assumptions, right? And that's what financial modeling is at the end of the day. It's all based on assumptions. Like we assume that there's going to be a growth rate of X percent every year, year over year. We assume that, you know, this is going to happen, which will impact this and that that way. I don't know that one is more important than the other. I, I would say maybe track record is more reliable because you're, you know, I guess mathematically, like you're basing yourself on, on previous numbers and previous trends. Um, but markets are unpredictable. I mean, look at the, just in the early 2000s, the way, um, you know, piracy and, and online streaming completely shifted the music industry and changed it. And, and people didn't really see it coming and didn't, couldn't really predict how it would impact the music industry. And I think we're going to see the same thing with AI now. You can mm -hmm. try and take the development of AI into consideration in your model, but at the end of the day, we have no idea what's going to happen, right? And so we have no idea how it's going to impact the, the numbers. So it's, it's a little bit of a guessing game with financial modeling. Obviously, it's also based on, on past trends and numbers, but um, it's, you know, it's models based on assumptions. Yeah, I find this conversation interesting when you get into the negotiation of between labels and artists for advances as more mm -hmm. like you know, some labels that the previous 12 months, that's all we're looking at when, when it comes to the advance. And if your revenue was down or you weren't putting out a lot of music and making a lot of money, your advance will only kind of reflect that as opposed to the negotiation from the artist side is more, but look at our overall history where we have a big tour coming up and we're going to be selling X amount of merch. So then we should be able to get a bigger advance. I find that push and pull kind of very interesting since you come more from the modeling side, what, where do you fall on that and how you would look at that from, if you were working for a label, would you look more of, okay, let's look at this artist in total let's maybe allow them to get a little bit more money, take a chance, or are you more strict when it comes to, hey, this is what you made the last 12 months, therefore your advance would be this? I think it, it depends a lot on the type of deal we're looking at, if it's an established artist and, and they tend to be more independent or whether you're more involved in the artist development side of things, um, mm -hmm. that's definitely going right. to impact the the assumptions you make and, and how involved you're going to be. Um, you know, I think it depends. It's a very lawyery answer, but uh, it depends on a lot of things. And and like you mentioned, the power of negotiation as well is really important because, yeah, like we're dealing with assumptions. So it's also mm. a question of who can convince us the best that this is what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think when you're looking at acquisition opportunities for catalogs or, or signing different artists, um, it just depends what you're looking at. If it's an established artist that you're signing, you know, for example, Taylor Swift joined Universal Music Group re relatively recently. Um, how does that deal look like? How involved are you going to be in that? Does she know what she's doing? So you don't really have to be that involved because, right. mm -hmm. you know, she has her team and her vision and she knows what she's doing and you're just there more as a support. Mm, yeah. Or are you looking at an up and coming artist that's very small and like still developing and then you need to help them find their sound, find them, their image, find their audience. And that is a different type of commitment for the label, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Yeah. And each situation, you know, presents a different challenge, but it's all about, you're right, what you can, 
what you can negotiate. Not necessarily mm-hmm. what you're worth, but what you can negotiate. One of my favorite classes um, in the program was in Stern. That was conflict and negotiation. What a oh, class. Wow. Yeah, I love that class. It still stuck with me to this day. So you yeah, are, sounds you're, great. you're definitely right about that. Okay, so tell us right now, since you've graduated, what are you currently doing? What's going on in your, in your world in terms of in terms of the career journey? So right now I am back in law school. Um, I plan on taking the bar exam in July, and because my first degree in law is from Switzerland, which is a civil jurisdiction mm-hmm. and not a common law jurisdiction, um, I have to do a one year LLM program. It's called LLM, but it's a Master's of Law. Um, in order to be eligible for the bar exam. And it's also just been a great opportunity in general to really focus on U.S. law. You know, like we were discussing earlier today, my previous studies focused a lot on Swiss law and sort of really focus on on U.S. law. Um, This semester, I'm taking a class on entertainment law as well, uh, which has been really interesting. You know, we're only a few classes in, but um, we're looking at entertainment overall and not just the music industry. Uh, We're looking at television, books, um, theater, musicals, and, and that's really exciting as well, but also more traditional classes like contracts and, and corporations and just understanding how things work, right? Like how, how the system works, how I can best represent my clients, my future clients, and, and how I can, you know, cater to their needs. So it's just been a, a great journey um, and, and I'm excited, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, you have, when it comes to putting, putting your time into school and, and, and academics, yeah. you have put the time in. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. Definitely. Um, I'm definitely ready to, to graduate and to work. I've been studying for a minute now, so I'm excited <laughs> to really, really start my career, um, you know, this summer or this fall, hopefully. Yeah, listen, I went straight through undergrad to grad and I love to learn, but let me tell you, when that last semester came for me, it was like, okay. <laughs> It's time to get out of here and get into the world, start working. <laughs> school, Definitely. School has been, has been fun, but it's time to do that. So, okay. So real quick, talk about um, being a graduate editor at the NYU Journal of Law and Business. What's that been like? How'd that come about? Yeah. So that was a great opportunity uh, through the law school, you know, um, law reviews and like legal journals are, are very important in, in the legal world. Um, and I really, I love writing in general. Um, and so I thought this would be a great opportunity to to write more about U.S. law specifically. Um, so, so far, I've written two articles. Um, they're more business oriented. The, the first one was on zero data expiration options and whether it's a safe investment strategy for retail investors like you and me, um, because you basically are investing day by day. Um, and so you don't necessarily have that track record that would help you make um, smart investment decisions. But that's a bit of the debate. Um, and then now I'm working on an article about corporate pension plans. And so it's very different from what I've done in the past. But right. I, you know, because I've been in school for so long, I really try to use every opportunity I have to learn something new and to expose myself to different types of topics. Um, and so I've been able to do that through the journal. Um, but I do also write more music-oriented articles. Um, I have an article that's about to come out for the New York State Bar Association Entertainment Arts and Sports Law Journal um, on the securitization of music rights and royalty-backed securities. Mm. Um, and that was what I wrote my thesis on, actually, my colloquy. 
Um, and for that, the experience in finance and Universal Music Group really helped as well to, to understand that topic. Um, but I also have a, an upcoming article for the ABA International M&A and Joint Venture Newsletter, and it focuses on the Live Nation and Ticketmaster monopoly. Um, you know, it's been in the headlines recently or more last year. Um, and so it's just been great to, to get to develop my research and writing skills through those types of opportunities. Wow, I can, I can relate so much because for me, when I was going through the program and trying to create opportunities, it was very entrepreneurial. I was going out to try to, oh, I'm interested in this. Let me go find it and create it. And you, you've kind of done the same thing. I mean, it's just very, it's great to hear how you've taken the attitude that I'm going to get as much experience um, and as much kind of time with the things that I'm really passionate about as I can while really learning new things and putting all of this together. It's just, it is, it's very impressive just how you've, how you've built your, your kind of path so far and, and the things that you're building on. So I guess I'll ask you this, what is, when it comes to practicing law and you're practicing what you want to do, where do you, how do you see yourself going? Like, what is it that you ultimately want to pursue when it comes to law and, and working with artists? Yeah, well, you know, ideally, I, I would like to combine all of my knowledge and, and find a job that allows me to apply all of my knowledge. Um, right now, I'm still at the early stages of my career. So I'm very open to different opportunities and experiences. The, there's so much that I learned coming to New York and coming into the music music business program that I, I just stay open all the time because I'm just very aware that there's certain things that I might not be aware of or familiar with that might be just such a perfect match for me. But for right now, it's really about, you know, combining law, finance, and the music industry. And and so I'm looking at either joining a boutique entertainment law firm, um, just to start really gaining that experience and those strong foundations, um, or even, you know, potentially looking at bigger deals like mergers and acquisitions focused specifically on the music industry and looking at different company acquisitions within the music industry. So I'm, you know, I'm open, I, I'll, I'll see where I end up, but um, I think there's a lot to be done in the music industry. There's a lot of interest at work, interesting work there. Um, and there's a lot that I still have to learn in terms of, of practicing law and becoming a lawyer um, and, and learning how to interact with clients. And so I'm really excited for that journey and for where it takes me. Yeah, I'm excited to see where that where that journey takes you as well. Um, yeah, so I have two more questions before we get out of here. First one, what are you curious about right now? So we touched a bit on it earlier, but I'm really interested in how the industry is going to change with AI. I think streaming and social media already allowed artists to be even more independent. And I think AI could potentially um, contribute to that, but I think it's, it's also double-edged sword. Um, I know recently there's been you know, issues with um, Taylor Swift and AI images of her that were released online. Um, and there's also been issues with AI songs using artists' voice. Um, and so I think that's, it's a bit scary because for a lot of artists, they, you know, they not only make their money from music, but they make their money from name, image, and likeness rights. And so if you're starting to take away those rights from them through AI, um, you know, it's it's going to be a big problem, I think. So I'm interested to see what happens with that, how we address it. Um, you know, hopefully we're able to get ahead of it and make sure that we protect people's rights and, and, and protect people's interests. 
Um, and, and yeah, there's also been a lawsuit recently with um, Anthropic and Universal Music Publishing Group, APCO and Concord Music Group, um, because Anthropic developed in, you know, some sort of chat GPT um, software that uses um, their artists' lyrics without permission. And so that's also going to be a huge mm. problem. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how the development of technology impacts how we protect artists' rights. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great one to be curious about. <laughs> we see yeah. How that goes, how that goes as well. And, we, you know, with you pursuing law and working in that field, you'll be right at the cutting edge of of having to kind of navigate that space. So, you know, it's exciting times. Um, so my last question, if you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program, what would you say to yourself? I would say enjoy every single second of it. Um, you know, it's a two year program, but it does go by fast. Um, but just enjoy it, say yes to every opportunity, <laughs> every concert, every, every person that wants to hang out. Um, you know, it's just such a great program, amazing resources from NYU, amazing people that make up the program, amazing professors. So really enjoy every second of it, put yourself out there and, and yeah, enjoy. I think that's a good, I think that's a good place to, to leave it at. Pursue your passions and enjoy, uh, try every opportunity. I love that. Yeah. Um, that everyone is Nastasia Merlino. Uh, Nastasia, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, just loved hearing your insights and about your journey. And yeah, it was good to, to speak to you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, and everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for, for future episodes. In the meantime, you can follow me um, at BryceB88 on Twitter. Um, I will have more episodes coming soon. But until then, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of People from the Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show. 